Well, Happy New Year. It's already hard to believe that 2022 has come to an end, and today is a start to the new year of 2023. So glad to be able to assemble here together for the Lord's Day, where, where else uh, would be better than be here with God's people and worshiping Him on this brand new year of this brand new year of excitement. You know, a new year means that your car is another year older. It means that your clothes is probably another year out of style. Probably means your appliances need updating or probably going to have to fix them some way or another. And another year means April 15th is coming. you got to pay your taxes. But when a new year arrives, that also means it's a new time for a new beginning. It's a new time for new challenges. It's a time that you can have a new opportunity to do something new. There's new potentials. There's new friendships. There's time for expansion in your life. There's new changes that you've been wanting to happen. And this year might be the year in which those things happen. There might be a new good that you can serve and help others to do. You can have new accomplishments for this year that you can contribute to fulfill a more meaningful life. And a new year means that a new work can that you can do to accomplish for our Master and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a story of a child that said, when I am big, and then some time passes, and then they change the story, when I grow up, and then he or she grows up, and then they say, well, when I'm married, but then they few years passes by, and then the, when I'm married turns into, well, when I retire, and then when I retire, they blink and they look back and all the time is gone. What do we learn from that little story of, well, when I grow up, when I, when I, when I get big, when I graduate college, when I, if I keep putting things off, I'm never going to be able to accomplish the things in which I want to accomplish or maybe even need to accomplish. You know, this day is January 1st, 2023, and most people on this day come up with their New Year's resolutions. Where they sit down and they maybe make a list of things they want to do. Maybe they want to, number one is what? Always lose weight, right? The top resolution most years is people want to lose weight. Maybe they want to exercise more. Maybe maybe they want to have a better diet. And those are some things in which you can do to accomplish that overarching goal. But what about other things? Maybe you want to go on a trip. You want to save more money. You know you know what? I didn't do a good job of saving money last year, so this year I'm going to put more money aside so I can go on that trip. Maybe I'm going to put more money in my retirement so I can retire a year early. Or whatever it may be. What are your New Year's resolutions this year? You know, a new year means this. 12 months. Or that 12 months can relate to 52 weeks. 52 weeks relates to 365 days. 365 days relates to 8,760 hours. 8,760 hours relates to 525,600 minutes. And that relates to 31,536,000 seconds. But the question is, what are you going to do with those days? What are you going to do with those Hours. What are you going to do with those minutes when it comes to the year 2023? There's a lesson that I'll always remember, and it was only about five or six years ago that I heard this lesson. 
It was in a Bible class setting. It was in like a young adults class. And the teacher got up and he gave everybody a little sheet of paper. And he says, I want you to pretend that every day you wake up. Excuse me, every Sunday morning you wake up. And you are granted. And I can't remember the number. I wanted to say it was 8,760. And that I think that might be correct. Yes, it is. 8,760 hours. And that's how many hours you have in a month. And you had that money deposited into your bank account. And he says, what are you going to do with it? Well, I'm going to make my car payment. I'm going to make my house payment. You know, they, they were saying all these different things. I'm going to, of course, you know, you're in Bible class, so what do you guys say? I'm going to give to the Lord. And they make all these different things. But this is the thing with this money. It restarts every week. So every Monday morning when you wake up, that money's already there. So if you didn't spend that money last week, guess what? It don't roll over to this week. You got a brand new start, brand new beginning, and you got that money there. Well, how are you going to spend that money? And then the next week, it doesn't roll over. You can't put that money in a savings account. You can't put it over here on the side. But then the next week, it rolled, you got a brand new fresh. It doesn't roll over. And the point of the story was that's how many minutes you have and hours you have in that week or month or whatever context in which he was saying. The thing is that he was pointing out is you can't go back and say, I need to reuse that time in my life. You can't go back and say, you know what, I need to deposit this hour. I'm going to use it later. You know, I, I, I need, the, I need the, an extra hour this week, so I'm going to buy one this week. He says, no, you have that set time in your life for that week. What are you going to do with it? You have that set time every day. What are you going to do with it for that time or that period? You got to make the most of your time. You got to make the most of every minute of every day. We're never promised tomorrow. James chapter 4 there, when they are talking about making plans and this and that, and what does he say? What does it matter? Your life is but a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then what? It's vanishing away. So the only time that we can make is what time we have now. It's good to have plans. It's good to have vision, right? Where there is no vision, the people perish. The book of Proverbs teaches us that. Most likely talking probably about uh, prophecies, meaning looking into the future, talking about you know the prophecies of the New Testament where there's no prophecies, the people perish. But we can make this, the application saying if there's no vision, if there's no looking forward to the future, the people perish. we got to be people that look forward to the future, but making the most of our time now to fulfill those plans towards the future. Go with me as we begin to Philippians chapter number 3. Here Paul is writing a book on joy. He is writing a book also about contentment. Many times when we look at Philippians chapter number 4 and verse 13, the very well-known scripture, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He's, he's talking about that, but he's talking about it in the idea of contentment. But so we got to keep that in mind when we read this also in Philippians chapter 3. But look at Philippians chapter 3 beginning in verse 12. Notice what Paul says. Not that I have already attained or, or perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold for that which of Jesus Christ has also laid, for, laid hold of me. Now look at verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehended, but this one thing I do. Paul says, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying that I, that I, but this is one thing I have done a good job of. Notice what it is. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are 
ahead. What was it Paul did a good job of doing? He forgot his past, didn't he? Was Paul one that had a past? Absolutely, right? I mean, you can go to Acts chapter 8, seeing there in verses 1 through 3 that he made havoc of the church. And what does that mean? He was literally dragging Christians out in the street, mocking them, beating them. He was was holding the, the coats of Stephen or holding the coats of the martyrs that stoned Stephen to death there in Acts chapter 8. So Paul was one that, I, that he had a past. So what is he saying? I forgot all that. That's behind me. But this one thing I do, looking ahead, looking forward to those things which are ahead. Verse 14, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What is he saying? Hey, I'm not looking back anymore. And this is what this is what I want to make application to for this introduction. You can't look back at 2022. You can't look back at last year's resolutions and say, you know what? I'm a failure. I was only able to accomplish one thing out of ten. Or I was only able to accomplish two out of ten. You know what? This is a new year. This is a new time, a new beginning. You have a fresh start. The question is, what are you going to do with it? You can't look back. You can't say, well, I was a failure last year. Why don't you maybe set some more realistic goals? Some more obtainable goals. Maybe your goals last year were not obtainable. Maybe you need to make smaller goals. Maybe you need one overarching goal with the little objectives underneath that you can stair step to get to those things. But don't look back. Jesus taught us about the dangers of looking back, right? No one is fit for the kingdom of God that has his hand on the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Why? Because we can't look back and, and plow forward. We gotta keep our rows straight as the application there in that, in that parable of Jesus, we got to make sure that we are looking forward, that we are we are looking ahead, that we can keep our eyes fixed on the prize like Paul is saying there's I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Imagine here Paul of course kind of talking about a man running a race. We're talking about keeping our eyes fixed upon the things that we want to do in twenty twenty three. Imagine a runner. You, you ever seen kids racing? What they do many times, they're, they're running, and what do they do? They look back to see how far out in front they are. But you know really what they're doing when they do that? They're slowing down. If they would just run forward and keep running and not worry about what's behind them or who's behind them, they're going to go ahead and finish that task quicker. They're going to finish that race quicker, and they don't have to worry about who's behind them. But when they turn their shoulders to look back, guess what they're doing? They might be getting off course. They might be slowing down. But we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We need to keep our eyes fixed upon whatever prize we want in doing that. Webster's Dictionary defines a resolution as a course of action decided upon a fixed purpose. You know the things about New Year's resolution goals? They're easy to make, but hard to keep. They're easy to make. It's easy to sit down today and say, hey, I want to lose 50 pounds. That's easy. But come Monday morning when you want to go out to lunch and want to eat a cheeseburger, it's pretty hard, right? Or you know, hey, I want to read the Bible in one full year. You start out good. You get you get through Genesis. You get through Exodus. But then you get to the book of Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. First and second Kings. Kind of gets bogged down, right? But what do we need to do? We need to stay focused on the prize. We need to stay to the task in which we knew we need to do. Maybe you understand that Resolutions are easy to make but hard to keep from your own personal experiences. A New Year's resolution is a challenge within itself, but we need to look at it as a challenge for change. I, I want to ask you this this morning, are you the same Christian you were a year ago? Are you the same person you were a year ago? 
I hope we can all say we're a better Christian today than we were one year ago today. Because each year we need to continue to strive to do better. But this year is a challenge for change. This year can be a challenge for improvement. This year can be a challenge for higher levels of success. A challenge for more effort, more determination. A challenge for, for accomplishments. But I want to ask you, what are your New Year's resolutions? I want to give you seven of them this morning that are spiritual in nature, that can help you grow closer to God and grow closer in His Word and grow closer together as a church. The first one I want to discuss this morning is study daily. Study daily. You know, I mentioned this in our class this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 shows us the command to study God's Word. He says, study or give diligence to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We, we see there that there is a command to study God's word. That, that, that we need to study God's word, but why? And that, that's the, the, the results that we want, right? Why do we want to study God's word? Because there's results, right? Why do we want New Year's resolutions? Because we want the result at the end, right? But in order to get the result, we got to understand, we got to sit down and, and be disciplined to do what is that task, and that is studying God's Word. What is the results from studying God's Word? Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. One, one common thing, if you begin in the book of First Peter, and you go through the book of Second Peter, and especially the book of Second Peter, there's one constant theme throughout that book, and it's studying and growing. How, how does Peter start out that epistle? Second Peter chapter 1 and verse number 5 says, Add to your faith. Well, how do you add to your faith? By hearing God's word, Romans 10 and verse 17. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. And what are those? Those are the Christian graces, right? He talks about Christian growth in the first chapter. And how does he end the book? Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. But grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So he begins the book with growing. He ends the book with growing. And we need to grow as a Christian. One way we can do that is by studying God's Word daily. We understand that the neglect of studying God's Word resulted in the Old Testament of what? God's people being destroyed. Hosea chapter 4 and verse number 6. My, my people were destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Go with me to the book of Colossians. <clears throat> Go to Colossians chapter number 1. Here in Colossians chapter number 1, it's a very simple outline you can see here. A very simple sermon if you want to Look, do a devotional one day on this verse. How, do you, how can I walk pleasing to God? You ever ask that question? How can I please God? This verse answers that question. Colossians 1 and verse number 10. Notice this, that you may walk worthy. Worthy means pleasing. How, how can I be pleasing? How can I be worthy to the Lord? Of the Lord knows this. Fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work. Increasing, knows this, in the knowledge of God. What is that? You see application and you see instruction. How can you be pleasing to God? By number one, knowing what God's word says, but number two, doing it. By applying to the word of God Almighty. And of course, Colossians 3 and verse number 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Well, how are you going to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly? It's not going to happen by osmosis. It's going to happen by reading it and studying. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, 
and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So you, you might say, Austin, I understand that. I understand I need to study God's Word daily. I understand the results that coming that's, that come from studying God's Word. But how do I do it? I, you know, I think, you know, it's a lot of times people just sit down and, and try to read the Bible. But the Bible is a very different book. You know, they, they try to read it like a novel. But we really need to study God's Word, not just read it. We need to digest it. Let me give you some tips. Here, here's three tips for studying God's Word. Number one, how do I study God's Word? Have the right setting. Have the right setting. Now, what I mean by setting is, what do you like to do when you like to study God's Word? For me, this is me personally, I'm just going to tell you what I do. There can't be anything on. It has to be quiet. It has to be silent. There can't be any distractions. Because if there is, I'm not going to get the most out of it. Now, some people, they like background noise. they got to have it, right? If it's too quiet, they're going to go insane. But what, what, what works best for you? Every person's different. How are you going to get the most out of studying God's Word? What's the right setting? And the setting is talking about what's going on around you. But what about your place? What, what about the place? You like to study at the recliner? You like to sit at a desk? Do you need to sit at the kitchen table? Do you need to go? Where's your place? And make that place consistent. Don't make it, don't change it up. Make it the same place. So the setting is talking about what's going on around you. Where are you going to study at? But number two is the time. What time of day are you going to get the most study out of God's Word? Let me, let me just... Like I said, I'm going to relate to you what I do because I know myself best. I'm not going to study God's Word right when I wake up in the morning. I'm not a morning person. It takes me a little bit to go, to get going, and I and I hit the snooze button a few times to get going. So I'm not going to study God's Word right when I wake up because I'm not going to get the most out of it. So I'm going to study it in the evening, maybe in the afternoon when I get woke up. But try to keep it consistent in the time of day. Maybe you're a morning person. Right when you maybe you don't even need an alarm when you when five o'clock strikes you got that internal alarm you're wide awake you're ready to go and you can start God's word out by reading right when you wake up maybe that's you everybody's different everybody has an individualized way <clears throat> of studying the Bible but make sure you have a time and keep that time consistent and do the time best on you maybe it's during your lunch break you want to study God's word but number three how do I study God's word have a method. Have a method. Don't just open up God's Word randomly and read a passage. or But have a method in which you do. And, and that kind of goes with the next question of where do I begin? Where do I need to begin by studying God's Word? Let me give you a few suggestions of where to begin. Maybe you should begin at the beginning, Genesis. That's always a good start to begin is the book of Genesis, right? Because you're going to get the beginning of the Bible. You're going to understand... Where, who God is, you're going to understand His nature, you're going to understand the Old Testament, you're going to see those things, and then you can get the flow of the Old Testament and go into the New Testament. Maybe you say, you know what, I've tried that before and it, it doesn't work for me. I get, I get to those books of Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and I just get bogged down and I burn out and I don't finish. Why don't you start this time in the book of Matthew? Read about the life of Christ. Read about His life. Then go to the book of Mark, read about Luke, read about John, and emphasize and focusing in on his life and the, and the things that he did and the way he taught and the, 
the way that he served his life. And read about those things and then go through the New Testament and then you got you a good way to implement God's Word and studying it and then you go to the Old Testament. But maybe you just need to start with the book of Acts. Start with the history of the church and then read the epistles and learn about the growth of the church and the way the church is supposed to function, the actions of the church. Then go back and read the, the book about the life of Jesus and then go back and read the Old Testament. But have some kind of strategy in mind when you read God's Word. Where do you need to start? It's depending upon you. Maybe you started in the book of Genesis and you, and you, you fizzle out. Maybe you need to start this year in Matthew. If you failed in the future, remember those things are behind. We're looking forward. How can you be successful this year in 2023? By number one, studying daily. But number two, <clears throat> pray regularly. Pray regularly. Number one, study daily. But number two, pray regularly. What did Paul tell the Thessalonians? Pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians 5 and verse number 17. Right? We understand that what pray without ceasing means what? Pray regularly. Pray when you have opportunity to pray. One thing that uh, is very convenient is you have your phone, right? Maybe you just need to set an alarm throughout the day. Maybe, maybe you know you're going to be on your lunch break between 12 and, and 1. You just need to set an alarm at 12.15 to, to have a prayer. To have a special prayer during that time to, to thank God for His blessings. Maybe we just need to have a set time to pray. What did, G, what did James say in James 5 and verse number 16? Let's go look at that passage about the power of prayer. There in James 5 and verse 16, Confess your trespasses one to another and pray with one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Notice the fervent prayer there. We need to make sure that we are praying fervently and regularly. Many times our prayer life is like a, like a helpline. It's when we need help. It's when we, we need that time of desperation. We go to God in prayer and say, I need help with this. But we need to pray regularly. Pray fervently for whatever needs we have. But also, we need to understand prayer is more than just a hotline of asking God for requests. It's also a time of thanksgiving. There in Philippians chapter number 4, Paul says that, Let your prayers and supplication with God know the action with thanksgiving. So make sure that you pray regularly thanking God for the things in which He does. What should I pray for? Get a bulletin. You can read it. There's all kinds of things in that bulletin to pray for. Pray for the sick. Pray for this nation. Pray for your leaders. Pray for the congregation. Pray for the lost. Just start making a list. If you need to keep a prayer journal, keep a prayer journal to write down the things in which you need to pray for. But when we think about praying regularly, one thing we need to remember is we need to look at the example of Jesus in His prayer life. I mean, we could go to the model prayer there in Matthew chapter 6. There he says, don't pray like the hypocrites do by going out into the street corners and into the public and beating their chest and bringing attention upon themselves. Well, what did Jesus say? Go into your closet. Have a personal prayer life. And then he gives the model prayer. Our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And there's a model that you can follow after talking about how to address God as a holy, reverend God and the things you can pray for. But one thing I think we can also look at Jesus in his prayer life is he had that closet religion. 
He, he, what, what did he do there when, before he was going to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world? He went to the garden. He went alone and he prayed. He got away from the distractions. He got away from everything and he prayed. You know, these, these little gadgets we, we have are a very handy tool. And we can use them in our prayer life. We can, if somebody says they need prayers, we can ha- make a note. and We can have a, a tally of those that need our prayers. But you know what? They're also a hindrance. One thing we can do is leave them behind and go into the closet and pray. Go to our, our quiet place of prayer. Pray regularly. Number three, think positively. Think positive. You know, there's a lot of negativity in the world today. I mean, you, you just turn on the television, and what do you see? Negative, negative, negative. You turn on the news. It's all negative. But we as Christians need to be people that are positive. Paul writing a book, the book of Philippians, in jail. And what does he say there in that book? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say what? Rejoice. Think positive. But I mean, Paul could have very easily wrote a book about negativity. Here I am in jail. I'm not able to go on mission. But what does he say? He writes a book about being happy and rejoicing in the Lord. Friends, we need to make the most out of whatever circumstances we have. And we need to think positively. We need to compliment instead of criticize. Well, you know, that won't work here. You know, evangelism doesn't work here. Instead of saying, you know, we're going to try that. It's worth the try because of whatever reason. Rob Whitaker has a, has a quote, and I, I believe it. My little bit of something is a whole lot better than your nothing. Right? And what was that? People criticize saying, hey, evangelism doesn't work. But hey, these little things that we might do in evangelism... They're better than nothing. They're better than just sitting on our, our hands and doing nothing. But doing the work, we got to think positive. we got to think, you know what? The Lord's going to be with us if we do His work. And God will bless us if we do it. Number four, give sacrificially. Give sacrificially. You know, like I said, probably one of the New Year's resolutions that people do is, number one, wait. But probably number two is save more money. But can you give more money this year to the Lord's church? You know, there in First Thessalonians, or excuse me, First Corinthians chapter sixteen, verses one and two, we see the command to give. It says, "As I have given to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let each one of you lay by in store as you have prospered, that there be no collections when I come." So we we see the importance there of giving to the Lord, giving to the church. And we, we understand, we can look at uh, the widow and her mind, how she gave everything she had. She gave sacrificially. We can see how others gave sacrificially in the New Testament by selling their own possessions and goods to go to the furtherance of the gospel and to the church. But you know what God loves? God loves a cheerful giver, a, a liberal giver. Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 7, he says, God doesn't love those who are grudging or gives out incessant, but he, but God loves a cheerful giver, one that gives freely. And that's what I want to challenge you to do this year with your giving is to give sacrificially. What are, what are you willing to give up for God? Think about what Jesus gave up for us. We're talking about giving sacrificially. The ultimate sacrifice was what? Jesus himself upon the cross. But what are we willing to sacrifice? What are we willing to give up so we can give more to the Lord's church. You know, it's nice to get bonuses, right? 
It's nice to get raises. It's nice to get those things. But what about this year in 2023? You give the Lord a raise. You give a little bit more this year than you did last year. It's just a challenge to you. Something to think about. Something that you can reflect upon in your own life. Number five, attend habitually. Attend habitually. And what that means is attend as much as you possibly can. Sometimes health does not allow us to do so. Sometimes we uh, just are, are sick and under the weather. I understand those things. But we need to attend as much as we possibly can. You know, there in, in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 24 and 25 talks about the attendance of the church services. And there in verse 25 he says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another. As much more if you see the day approaching. What were they doing? They were saying, hey, we're, we're not going to go to the church service. He says, don't forsake that. Don't, don't, don't say, well, you know, I, I, I'm just going to lay out this week. Or, I, you know, I got something better I got to do. We need to have the attitude of the psalmist there in Psalms 122 and verse 1 where it says, well, I was glad when I, when I got to go to the house of the Lord to worship. Friends, this is, this is an exciting place to be. Remember, we're thinking positively. If we think positive, we're going to want to be here at the Lord's church. If you commit to be here right now, every church service for 2023, you'll be here. Commit yourselves. Hey, I'm going to be back Wednesday night. I'm going to be here next Sunday morning for Bible class and worship. I'm going to be here again next Wednesday. If you commit yourself to those things, you will be here. Think about it. You've got 52 opportunities to be here on Sunday morning for worship. How many of them are you going to be here for? I understand you might be out of town, but can you still worship God? Of course, if there's a congregation there, faithful people, you can worship together. How many of the 52 are you going to be there? Are you going to have perfect, perfect attendance? That's something we do in school, right? Kids strive to have perfect attendance. Can you have a perfect attendance in the year 2023 for worship? What about Bible class? Sunday morning? Wednesday night, 104 opportunities for you to come together to study God's Word. Can you make it? Can you be here to serve and worship and to study more about God's Word? You're going to study daily. Why don't you come here on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings to learn even more about God and His Word. Number six, teach opportunity. Teach as you have opportunity. We have to have a love for the lost. We have to have a need to teach the lost of mankind. You know, there in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is walking upon the coastline and he sees some fishermen. And they're mending their nets. They're repairing their nets. You know what Jesus says to them? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We have to understand that we are fishermen. We are not going to catch every fish we, we try to catch. But what do we have to do? We have to understand we're going to be consistent. We're going to have to to mend our nets. We're going to have to change our strategy in some things. But we have to understand we need to teach the lost of God's people because that's how we're going to get this church to grow. That's how we're going to teach them as well. Starting on, I believe, this Wednesday night. It's either going to be this Wednesday night or next Wednesday night. I'm I'm not 100% sure. I'm thinking this Wednesday night. We're going to start a, a series of DVDs here on evangelism. And how to teach somebody the gospel. You might be thinking, Austin, I'm all on board. I got people I want to teach. There's people that, that I, I want them to go to heaven. But I just don't know how. 
Be here on Wednesday nights and you'll learn how. It's a very simple process. I talked a little bit about it in Bible class this morning. It's called Back to the Bible. And we're going to learn how to do that. There's going to be different lessons on Wednesday night. We're going to learn from Rob Whitaker, which is a one of the um, best evangelists that I personally know. And he's going to teach us through DVD how to teach the lost. And I've, I've used his method, and it's a very successful method as well. Well, I want to ask you this for a second. If you had the cure for cancer, what would you do? You'd be going to the doctors. You'd be going to John Hopkins, the top medical schools, and saying, look here, I have found the cure for cancer. I have, I have found the solution. This is what we need to do to be able to fix this mess called cancer, this horrible disease called cancer. You know what they're going to do? They're going to test it. They're going to see if it works. And if it works, you know what they're going to do? They're going to use it. You know what we have? We have the solution to heal the sin of the world. We have the we have the the solution to cure the sins of the world, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ, the saving message of Jesus Christ. And we need to take it to a lost and a dying world. There in Acts chapter three, Paul is or Peter heals the lame man as he is laying outside the gates. And after he heals that lame man, I believe it's verse number eleven of Acts chapter three. There's one word there, and Peter saw. It. It doesn't emphasize what Peter saw there. It just says Peter saw it. You know what Peter saw there? He saw an opportunity to teach the gospel. You know what he did? He preached a sermon. He preached a sermon. He he taught as he had opportunity to do so. And that's what we need to do as well. Our last New Year's resolution that I'm going to leave with you this morning is worship conscientiously. Worship conscientiously. And what does that mean? Worship in spirit and in truth. John 4 and verse 24. Jesus is there talking to the Samaritan woman. He says, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And many times we, we as the Church of Christ preach a lot on the truth part. Speaking from God's Word. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. But what do we need to understand? We need to understand we got to worship with the right conscience. we got to worship with the right attitude, and that's the spirit. we got to worship God in spirit, attitude, with the conscience, and with the right source. That's the right book. That's truth. we got to do both of them. We can't just do one. we got to do both. And that means when I sing the songs, i got to think about what those songs mean. Tell me the story of Jesus. Ride on my heart everywhere. What are you thinking about? Think about the life of Jesus. Think about the different things that he did. When we all get to heaven, think about how wonderful heaven's going to be where there's no sickness, there's no sadness. It's a wonderful life. Get to worship God. What do you think about when you sing? What about when we pray? Are you praying with the prayer leader? Praying, thinking about those things in which you're praying, thinking about the sermon. Thinking about the Lord's Supper when we partake of it. Think about Jesus on the cross. Maybe you need to read the the accounts of the crucifixion to help your mind focus upon those things. It's very easy in worship to become routine, right? Just to go through the motions. It's just easy to go through the motions in worship. We need to sit back and slow down and think and worship conscientiously so we can worship God acceptable and pleasing as He wants us to.
What's your New Year's resolution? I'm going to give you a challenge this morning. Study daily. Study your Bibles daily. Study the Bible. Pray regularly. Think positively. Give sacrificially. Attend habitually. Teach opportunistically. And worship conscientiously. Can you do that this morning? Can you commit every day to do those seven things? I guarantee if you do them every day, you'll be a better Christian next year at the start of 2024 than you are right now. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a New Testament Christian. You can become one this morning by believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, repenting of your sins, confessing the sweet name of Jesus, and being immersed in water and grave of baptism for the forgiveness of your sins. There's nothing better you can do this morning than become a New Testament Christian. And what a great way to start out the year. But maybe you're here this morning you know you got sin in your life. And you, need, you say, I need a new fresh start this year. And you can do that this morning by having your sins washed away by that blood that continually cleanses your sins by confessing those faults that you have in your life. And we'll pray with you a prayer of forgiveness and God will forgive you. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, all things have become new. If you're in Christ, you can do that this morning. You can have a new start to this new year. If we can help you anyway, come now as together we stand and as we sing. Let every